your host, Dmitry Filipovich. Welcome to the Hockeypedia Cast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich, and joining me in studio is my good buddy, Kevin Woodley. Kevin, what's going on, man? Not much. Not much. Is your mic working there, Kevin? You're not... Yeah, my your mic's, mic's working. working. You're my good. We don't. We don't need your headphones need on. You know, we're sitting in the same room together in this beautiful 650 studio. We don't need the headphones. I thought maybe Dom needed to like yell in my ear every once in a while. Usually, along the lines of Woodley, would you please stop talking? We gotta go to break, <laughs> you idiot. So that's good. I'm just never gonna stop talking, Dom. You're gonna have to bang on that window to get me to shut up. Well, I'm excited to have you here. You are our noted um, director of our goaltending excellence department here in the PDO cast. The only person I trust to talk about goaltending beyond just citing stats and, and, and referring to it as voodoo. Let's just hope that nobody in my beer league is hearing this right now because let's just say that I have been atrocious of late. Yeah. So there'd be people that would dispute me being a guru of anything well, involving stop and puck. Do as I say, not as I do, right? We'll go with that. Yeah. We'll go with that. All right. So I've cooked up a, a list of topics here for us like to discuss. That. It's going to be the last regular season show we're doing. We've done a series of these, pretty much one every month or so. So it's kind of been a recurring theme and we're going to start off with Eunice Corpusalo and the Kings because the last time I had you here in studio we were talking about how the Kings desperately needed to address their goaltending they were amongst the league worst in terms of save percentage goal save above expected everything from all the goalies they've been using despite a strong defensive environment we were talking about Corel Vamelka at the time and then you actually brought up how you actually like the fit of Eunice Corpusalo based on his individual strengths in Columbus admitting that it was a wildly different playing environment to, I forgot that I said that. You this met, is a back padding session. Go back now. and listen to those. Sweet. I think it was February 15th, PDO cast. You were here in studio. And and towards the end of that first segment, you kind of, you, you match make the two and you're like, I think this is interesting. Something to look for. Two weeks later, they make the trade and the results since have been phenomenal. We can talk about Corpus Allo here individually. Maybe we should start with that and then talk about the Kings and kind of the entirety of the goaltending situation because there's another fascinating note related to that that I wanted to uh, to pitch you on. Okay, so on Corpus Allo... You like, saw him here the other day in Vancouver. When yeah, he was and, in the Cups, and, yeah, and looked good. And, and like, listen to me, this is mostly... Well, this is mostly the Kings being a really good defensive team and Jonas Corpus Allo looking more like the really good goaltender that we sort of always knew he had the skill set to be, but in part because of injuries and he had the hip surgery last summer i think double hip surgery yep. sort of took him to mid-december to sort of learn how to play with a body to work properly um there's a little bit of this in loren brassois right now going on with the vegas golden knights like your body gets into positions that it was struggling to get into and goaltending puts it in some unique spots and all of a sudden things that were hard work again and you can do things you weren't able to do and so corpus Allo's game you know as i think i mentioned back in that one and and, and thanks for reminding me because i'd kind of forgotten about that so i'll take i'll take that as a uh it's I'll a take win that as a yep. win yep. i don't get many <laughs> like as i was saying beer like not a lot of wins lately but i'll take that as a w um it's it's i mean his his numbers since march 1st so since the trade basically uh his adjusted save percentage is like almost plus three percent yeah like top four in the league like he has been really good there they've limited his playing time by sort of alternating for the most part oh. with phoenix copley which is interesting because copley's going tonight i thought we saw them break the the rotation they had going specifically to put corpus Allo against edmonton um and Stuart skinner was brilliant that night and he loses two nothing and now I assumed we'd see Corpus Allo again, but we're going going back to Phoenix Copley. And he and so, listen, at the end of the day, it's been a really good fit. Mm-hmm. His adjusted numbers are off the charts. The team is having success. They're a wagon defensively, but he's also outperformed that environment by a significant margin. And so good for Jonas Corpus Allo, good for the Kings. They have options 
For a team that basically started the first half of the season, they couldn't get a good option in net. They now have two. And one who, at least statistically in my mind, will be the game one starter in Corpus Allo, um, but a pretty good option that the team feels comfortable in front of in Phoenix Copley as well. Credit to you. It is a W. You should take a victory lap here because I was on the more skeptical side of Corpus Allo. I acknowledge that he had much better numbers, especially when you account for the environment in Columbus, where it was one of the worst, like three to five defensive teams in the league this yeah, season. Yeah, it was about December 10th. Like he had a, he had a, he, he started off a bit he slow a really and then he really turned it December on. 9th. Yeah. From then on, like his numbers just kept climbing and climbing and climbing. And the story of like how he's like figuring out his new body basically and, and how that works with everything totally makes sense. I was just like, I always thought for years that the production didn't match the reputation, right? For years, when he, even when Bobrovsky was there, he was coming in as like this next hot top prospect. We heard all this hype. He'd play the occasional game and look good. But at the end of the season, you look at the numbers and it's like, all right, he's got a negative goal save above expected in this behind this towards defense. A lot of inconsistency. Not doing it for me. And he had the obviously the magical um, you know, stint against the Leafs and the Lightning in the in the bubble playoffs. And I think a lot of it was based on that. Now, to his credit, he really turned it on in the second kind of in the middle part of the season. And in these eight games that he's played for the Kings, he's been phenomenal. He stopped 171 of 109 five-on-five shots. He has a 937 save percentage, plus 9.5 goals save above expected, according to Sport Logic. And you made an interesting note there. We were talking about how we'd like to see a team really not just run a goalie tandem and rotation, because I think that's something most teams would ideally like to do. But then the season starts, you you run into like schedule quirks and all of a sudden you just find yourself just riding your starter all over again and you're like all right well it got away from us maybe next year and in this case they really have stuck to it so far other than there was one time as you mentioned where in alberta they had a day off in between games and they used corpusalo against the flames on a tuesday and then the oilers on a thursday otherwise they've gone corpusalo copley corpusalo copley back to back and even with, tonight, even without like, tonight against yep. Edmonton, like it's Copley's, it's Copley's turn, and this is but this is a huge start. Like, yeah. This is like this could be the difference between play you know, home ice home or even ice for, or not home ice or even a shot first seed, at yeah. getting to the top seed. Which let's be honest, like, geez, can I take the top seed? And and uh, although Winnipeg's playing a little better now, but yeah. like you're taking that top seed on one of the wild cards, or I get to go to Edmonton and play the Oilers. Yeah. No, thank you. So. Um, I'm a little bit surprised. Like I said, I thought this was a tell in terms of who their playoff starter was when they when they rolled out Corpus Allo in Edmonton. A little bit surprised tonight. Big test for Copley. I watched. Uh, I covered the Kings game in Seattle um, before they came up here, and like he didn't have to be spectacular. Mm-hmm. Most of the game, he just had to stay awake, um, which was also a challenge covering it because uh, I think there were 12 shots <laughs> through two periods. It was not scintillating hockey. Uh, but then early in the third period, uh, I think it was Tolvanen on a breakaway. There were a bunch of bang-bang plays in tight. And Copley's movement, like he reminds me a little of Bersois. Like everything is just controlled and he's in position and he's never flailing and he's rarely swimming. And the only time he sort of got swimming in that entire game was on the goal, and that was because the puck went off the post and he felt it bounce off of him behind him and you sort of just react that way. But, like, Corpus Salo's numbers are notably better than Phoenix Copley's. Mm-hmm. But behind a team that doesn't give up much, like, Copley is your perfect just, he is going to make you beat him goaltender. He is not going to beat himself. If you can get the time and space to create offense, to pick a corner, it might be there. 
but that's what it's going to take because he's going to be in the center of the net. He's going to be set. He's going to be square. He's going to take away the bottom of the ice. He's got decent hands. Like he is just, he's actually perfect for that role. Well, he's perfect behind this team because the Kings, in a way, I don't know, they like run some, they, they put some more spell on you because they themselves play a very like straight line north south game off the rush, right? They like to just take the puck up the ice, get into the zone, and shoot. And a lot of times, it's like with a lot of speed, and eventually they're going to bludgeon you to death with that. And they get other teams to to get into those types of environments with them. And so for a guy like Copley, hearing you talk about him that way, it makes sense that he would like this would be a good spot for him because those are the very predictable shots where he can kind of like see where they're coming from off the rush. There's not a lot of creativity and movement he's having to deal with. I'm curious how Corpus Allo blends that because obviously it's a wildly different environment, especially in terms of shot volume compared to what he was facing in Columbus. Um, and if it is a round one matchup against the Oilers, they are a team that isn't going to fall into that trap. Like they, especially with their top six out there, they're going to look for the best shot possible and really present a lot of dangerous scoring chances against you, right? Do you, do you prefer Corpus Allo, all things being equal in that type of a game environment just because he maybe has like a bit more athletic upside to deal with it? I feel like he's bigger and yet I was just talking to Phoenix the other day, post game in the locker room, and I forgot how tall he was. So I'd actually have to look that up. I feel like Corby's a little bigger. I feel like there might be another layer up of athleticism to his game. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't automatically mean he's going to be better against tougher shots because sometimes we saw it here on the Brock Besser goal on the yep. rebound that goes under his pad. Like sometimes athleticism and reaching opens holes. Right. Like I think Copley, like as a comparison that I think we see that bang, bang play Miller from the, I guess, left dot off Corpus Allo's left pad bounces right to Besser at the top of the crease for a quick sort of put back. And because of the urgent, urgent nature of that type of play, Corpus Allo extends and reaches and breaks his seal along the ice. Yep. I think Copley rotates on that and has that pad along the ice and makes that save. Mm-hmm. So sometimes that athleticism that we associate in our minds with being a more dynamic goaltender with higher upside and maybe better suited to stare down the creativity and speed and skill of the Oilers... Like sometimes you can take yourself out of a play. Now right. the thing about Corpus Allo is he does have a really solid technical foundation. And at the end of the day, as much as I like Copley as a fit with the Kings, like there is no comparison between their two numbers, especially since Corpus Allo arrived. Yeah. Like Copley, Copley is underexpected, and Corpus Allo is notably above. Like I said, like top five in the league type numbers since he joined the Los Angeles Kings. So I still lean that way. But there's clearly a confidence this team has playing in front of Phoenix Copley, and it's warranted because all he's done since he's gone there is win. And, like, that counts. It does count. Like, how your team feels in front of you and feels about playing in front of you matters. I've never seen this dramatic a turnaround in season, though. Kevin, I was looking at it at like on March first when they made the trade. Yes, on the when and because like their defensive environment, especially like if you look at the sport logic numbers, I'm not sure. I think Clairsight agreed with it. They like their defensive environment even more than a lot of the publicly available data we have. And like they were putting a lot of the onus on the fact that the goalies just weren't good enough. I think at the time of the trade on March 1st, Quick, Copley, and Peterson had combined for like negative 55 goal save above expected and well, were 31st in save percentage. I think we talked about this as part of when we were looking yep. at did the Kings need to make a move? And at the time of the trade, um, you know, Jonathan Quick was 4% below expected just similar to where cal peterson was when they sent him the minors yeah so people are like we hear this a lot right like what do you mean 
below expected. What's 4%? Well, if there's 100 shots, yeah. that means that four goals are going in that shouldn't for every 100 shots yeah. on Jonathan Quick or were going in when he was in Los Angeles. That's a goal every game. That's yeah. a goal every 25 shots that shouldn't go Extra, in. On top Extra, of what on top regular, of what? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's one more yeah. than you should give up yeah. based exclusively on your goaltending. And obviously, it's not as cut and dried as that, but... Um, you know, clearly something had to change there. The environment, as you said, um, you know, I, I just have it in front of me right now, pull that up on clear sight, expected goals against, this is high danger chances, what I, which I look at the mm-hmm. most, um, second five on five overall yep. on the rush first D zone. So when it's in zone third, yep. the only numbers they dip out of the top 12 is their PK. Everything else is like, forget top, it's top three and every other number except penalty kill. So yep. uh, it is a very goalie friendly environment and the goaltenders were struggling there. It is. And then now since I think the game where they like, they had that seven, six shootout against the, the blues that they won recently where Copley was in net. I think that was the only time in these 15 games since they've given up more than two goals in a game. They're like winning everything. And it's ironically, the Oilers have also just basically kept pace and won the exact same amount as they have. So they haven't really like been able to distance themselves. They're, they're still setting up this collision course in round one as a rematch of last year. But hey, hey, let, let, let's talk about the Oilers first. All right, let's do it. Because do. is the narrative, like this reminds me a little bit of Toronto. Mm-hmm. Like for the longest time, the narrative in Toronto was that they were this offensive team that couldn't defend. Yes. And I don't think it's been true for several years now. Yeah. Right? Is that still the narrative around Edmonton? Um. Certainly. Certainly. How about fourth in high danger yeah. expected goals again six off the rush and sixth in defensive zone the only numbers that's that aren't good for them again are the penalty kills 29th everything else is really solid and interestingly enough it's kind of cratered since march 1st mm. up until march 1st these were all top two numbers i do a show in edmonton on a weekly basis and so we go through these a lot and like up till march 1st like they were a top two or three defensive team in the national hockey league and when it came to the most the most significant the the chances that matter yep. the most. And they have slipped, and their goaltendings. Interestingly enough, Skinner was even further below expected mm-hmm. when they were great. And as the tests have gotten harder in this past month, he's actually risen to the occasion and played better relative to expected. He's actually been better in a tougher environment. I, I, I sort of cautioned people in Edmonton all year long, like Stuart Skinner had one of the highest expected save percentages in the league. That almost never lasts for a season. And the question is, as it gets more difficult around you, do you just sort of stay where you are relative to it or do you take a bigger step back? And interestingly enough, he's actually gotten better as things have gotten tougher. And I think that LA game is a case in point. Like 43 shots, there were 10 high danger by Claire Sight, and he was perfect on the night. So um, that's a good sign if you're the Edmonton Oilers. Not that your defense has suddenly become leaky, um, but that your goaltender is playing better as it has. Yeah, and if you watch that game, there was there was the one sort of sequence I remember where he was kind of like a bit out of position and then just threw himself in front of the puck and it was like a scramble save and it hit him and he stopped it and it looked like very acrobatic, right? But for the most part, a lot of those 43 saves were like, to my eye, very technically sound in terms of like, it just hit him. That's stopped it cleanly. Yeah. And it's like, it wasn't the high, like it would have been tough to cut up a highlight reel of his saves from that game because there were so few like, very memorable ones, and that's to his credit. Well, and I, and I think actually the Kings, like I, again, this is why if I'm LA, I'm not sure I want that matchup. So much of their offense is in tight and around the net, and and I don't want to say rudimentary, but it's like little it's, it's less. Get puck, it's get puck, shoot puck. Yeah, it's a little yeah. less dynamic, and and the real like Stuart Skinner in tight. 
And this is why I'm not surprised. I think the public models favor him a little more than, than the private stuff we mm-hmm. have here is because a lot of that sort of in tight is what we think of as the best chances. Yep. Um, and sometimes if you're a really efficient, technically sound goaltender, like there's nowhere for that puck to go the closer it is to you. And so those bang, bang plays in and around the crease, he's so efficient with shifting that big frame into that space without opening up holes. Like, as you said, just a really strong technical base. Like those are the types of chances you don't mind giving up, even though they look. I mean, there's a game here where they played, and like there were three of those in the first five minutes. And I was like, ooing and awing, like kept them in the game early. And I'm like, they look spectacular. They're great. We love them as goalies. Like, yeah. There's nothing, nothing better than that backdoor pass that you've anticipated. You can read it from 10 miles away. And all you do is sort of drop the knee, rotate your head around, and put the pad down. The guy slams it off your pad. And everyone's like, oh, my God. And you're yeah. like, just ever, I just man. stuck my leg up. <laughs> I just put my leg in the spot, and there was nowhere for the puck to go. He was in too tight. Yeah. Stuart Skinner does a lot of that. And I'm not taking anything away. Like, it's it's there's there's a lot of skill there. Like there's a lot that there's a reason his technique is so good. He's worked really hard at it. But I feel like those types of chances feed right into his game. You start giving up the middle of the ice and the middle and the high slot, and that's where you're gonna see a little more exposure. Which is on the on the scale of things, I think the Kings, as you mentioned, aren't necessarily the worst matchup in that regard in terms of like threatening them from those areas. You know, you're talking about the pad saves. What's more satisfying, that or like the very rudimentary glove save that you then turn into a an exaggerated windmill and just throw your body all over and everyone goes wild because we see a lot of those as well. Uh, I mean, like the ones where you, like they just basically shoot it into your glove. Yeah, like you stick your glove out, sauce. it basically goes in, and then all of a sudden it goes. Yeah, I got a, I got a bad wing, so there's not a lot of windmills um, <laughs> happening these days. Probably put my shoulder. A lot right of a lot of night, a lot of nice toe saves though. Uh, I will take the uh, I like. For me personally, it's the it's the cross ice bang yeah. bang. Especially if you read it, you get good rotation. You're not just sticking that leg out, but you're actually making a push across, and the mm. guy just like one t slams it off your pads, and everybody loses it. And you're like, yeah, that was a good read. That was a good rotation. That was a good push. You know the thing the thing for as we wrap this conversation up on Skinner, I think what they're gonna have to sort of juggle is that uh, they have five or six regular season games left. They this one tonight against the Kings is a big one. All of them are big because there's like a one point back and they're basically playing for home ice against them, even if the first seed is out of reach with Vegas a few points up on both of them. I'm curious to see how much they play Skinner, right? Because he's already getting into kind of like uncharted territory where he's not only start played 46 games, I, so, I believe, so far this season, but he's played 15 of the last 20. And I think it's very, very telling on how like they feel not only about him and how much they need him, but also how bad and how you know, tough a goal it's been for Jack Campbell, that you look at the games they have given Campbell in that time. It was Columbus, which he got pulled after like 20 minutes. Vegas, or sorry, Winnipeg on a second of a back-to-back, which was a horrible performance by him, I thought. And then San Jose, Arizona, both games, they like had to score five goals and nearly lost. And then Anaheim, where he had the shutout most recently. But they're like very carefully selecting which games they give him. And it's pretty much whenever they have to, because otherwise I think... And and that's gonna yeah that's you, gonna, you can't play the wheels off Skinner. In, in the, this in is the, already gonna be a big test. But in the playoffs, like I, I honestly think that Campbell at this point is unplayable. Like like if if he's playing for them in the playoffs, something has gone wrong. I think it's gonna be Skinner as far as Skinner takes them. See, like this is a tough one for me because I said I was critical of the signing in the yep. first place. I pointed to the numbers. Um, everybody loves Jack Campbell mm-hmm. and I count me on that list. I, I just strictly pointing at the numbers 
adjusted numbers had him in the 30s, right? This is this goes back to that conversation about what the Leafs are defensively yeah. and how much they're a place where goalies should want to play because the environment is not what it used to be, say, when Freddie Anderson was back there being asked to stop bullets in his teeth. Mm-hmm. It was very goalie-friendly, and his performance relative to it was just slightly above expected, like it was in the 30s. And that's not bad because what the Leafs ask you to do as a goaltender can be tough. It can be tough mentally. It can be tough in a lot of different ways, and he managed all those things. But at the end of the day, I'm not paying $25 million over five years for 30th in the NHL consecutive seasons, especially when one of those seasons had a six-week stretch where you were the worst goalie in the league. That's, you know, so all that said, he's not this bad. Like, this has gone way worse than even I expected, and I was one of the biggest critics of the signing. Yeah. Um, He's better than this. And I believe if they can get him a little, like... I wouldn't be calling a goalie coach on this. I'd be calling a sports psychologist. I, I like honestly, and I, and I say that like I just think there are so many things when you hear like there are so many lessons that we we talk to sports psychologists from all over the world all the time at Engel about different tools for goaltenders and and how they should manage certain situations and self talk and like watching Jack Campbell post game is like a how not to video from a it's not even sports psychology. I just sort of like mental game mindset. Yeah, of course. Like it's it's like a how not to. And yeah. I just. I feel like the, he's a goalie that relies so much on confidence and so much of what he says and seems to undermine his own confidence. Technically, when he starts sinking and drifting back in his crease, like he just, he's just too small. Um, the other night in Arizona, and I know it's just Arizona, and like you said, they're carefully selecting the starts. Mm-hmm. I liked where he was in his crease. I liked that he stayed there. Interestingly enough, he's made equipment changes. Yeah. I have not seen a lot of guys switch their entire gear lineup in a season. The other night, he, he had another new, like a new, another different company's glove on. So there's clearly some searching there. Um, but I still think if you get him to come out of it, again, this is a good defensive team. Stuart Skinner's your guy, come hell or high water. If you could find Jack a couple of starts to build that confidence, because that's the thing. I can look at all the technical elements from good Jack Hamlin. Yeah. There's a couple tells from good to bad. But beyond that, it, it's not a huge switch. And if you could find a couple of moments, he's a guy that, as much as his confidence has lacked all season, if you were to find a sliver of it, he'd at least become an option for you again. Well, it just reminds me of last year, right? Even when things were going well for him and the numbers were good at the start of the year in Toronto, he'd have like one bad game or they'd even lose like 2-1 or something. And it wasn't even a bad game by by anyone's standards. And, and like you watch the post game and he'd be just like blaming himself and he'd be like ripping himself when you won, right? And it's like, all right, now this year where things really do go bad and there's a lot of blame to divvy up, he's like taking all of it. And understandably so, like he hasn't clearly been good enough. I think, you know, the the public numbers have him at what? Negative 19 goals they above expected on, on evolving hockey. Sport Logic has him at negative 26. The only goalies who have been more detrimental to their teams are Elvis Merzlikens, Kapo Kakinen, Spencer Martin, Jonathan Quick, and Jacob Markstrom, by my count. And mm-hmm. that's that's tough, right? Especially when you're staring down the barrel of, all right, there's four more years of this at $5 million or whatever. Now, I think it's too early to punt on that. I do agree with you, though. Like, I would have actually considered potentially sending him down to the AHL just to get him starts in a less pressure-filled environment and get him feeling better about himself. I guess maybe the Oilers agree, and, and they did so by NHL standards by giving him games against the Ducks and the Sharks and the Coyotes. So maybe that's exactly what they're doing here, just – at the NHL level. I don't know that a lot of um I don't know that a lot of what Jack relies on to read the game could have been accomplished 
mm-hmm. in the AHL. Right. Like, I understand the need to want to go find him a place to play to get that confidence. But just so he's not beating himself up every single night. Like, but right? the American like, Hockey League's a league that's a lot less controlled, a lot less right. scrambled. And I think the reads he relies on to play well are you're in a more controlled, better environment, especially in Edmonton. I don't know what their American League team's like in terms of structure, but like, that's the best place for him is in Edmonton. It's just they couldn't afford to find him. Those starts in part because he helped put them behind the eight ball relative to where the expectations were um, in terms of the standings. Listen, like like I said, all those things you talk about, like none of them, none of them are goalie coach things. Mm. Man, like none of them are. Like these are everything. Like the words we choose. Like I know goalie mindset guys that like don't even talk about I gave up a goal. It's like a save I didn't make. Right. Like because your subconscious mind. If I talk about giving up a goal, your subconscious mind sees a goal, yeah. sees a puck going in the net. So it saves I didn't make. We don't use the word goal. Like, obviously, I give up a crap ton of goals. I don't use this language very well in beer league. But, like, at the pro level, like, I see pros have success adopting these mindsets. And literally every time I see Jack Campbell talking, I'm like, this is a like mindset how not to and that's why like i'm not trying to when i say sports psychologist like i gotta be very careful here i'm not trying to like question his this isn't a mental health yeah yeah yeah. this is strictly there are performance coaches mindset coaches um many of which who like do deep dives on your personality like they do personality tests they do stress tests how your body specifically reacts to different types of stresses based on your personality so that they can develop a plan to allow you to go out there and play with confidence and not cut yourself off at the knees on nights where things don't go well. And there's just seems like there's just way too much of that with Jack Campbell right now. He just doesn't give himself a chance. I still think skill set wise, like there's ability there, no question. Yeah. To be better than he has been. Yeah. Well, if it seems like we're certainly gonna get Corpus Allo versus Skinner in round one and a lot of interesting storylines there to to look forward to. So I'm looking forward to that. Kevin, let's take our break here. Let's squeeze it in while we still can. And then when we come back, we'll keep chatting with Kevin Woodley. You are listening to the Hockey PDO cast, as always, streaming on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Catch up on what happened in Vancouver sports with Halford and Bruff in the morning. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here on the Hockey PDO cast with Kevin Woodley in studio talking goalies. We did Corpusalo, we did Stuart Skinner. Uh, let's talk about Devin Levi, one of my favorite late season stories here. I wish we were recording tomorrow so that we could talk about whatever well, he does yeah, tonight in his re- in his revenge uh, against the team that drafted him and traded him for Sam Reinhardt a couple of years ago. Um, but only one game so far, so clearly don't want to make any sort of like you know bold like proclamations or, or sweeping one takeaways. Well, it was one. It was it was a, it was a really good period though, and I think part of why I'm enjoying this, like you know the the build up to this in terms of his performance at the NCAA level, but then also uh, you know the Sabers in terms of like their playing style this year, where they're getting in all these high scoring games, and you're like, man, if they could just like if their goalie could just steal them one here or there, all of a sudden they might even sneak into the playoffs. And now he comes in for this late season uh last kind of push for them a couple quotes for you from devin levi so far all right this, I've got this, these listen by the way this kid is a goalie geek dream come true because he is a goalie geek well did he, he is like you know what's that one of us one of us well i didn't i didn't i actually don't have this written down as one of the quotes i'm about to share with you but in a story i was reading 
because he had that awkward period where he was like waiting for his work visa or whatever and, and so he was like practicing the team but he wasn't actually allowed to play for them until he started the game against the rangers last weekend um he was like sitting in the press box for some of these games and he was and and in the story he's talking about how like he was like up there with his notebook and he was like jotting down notes in terms of like where they were giving up shots from what to expect, like kind of like tendency, defensive tendencies that the Sabers have. One of and, us. And you know, Devin, they, they they have this stuff on the internet. You can you can look it up. You don't necessarily need to write it down. Although, as someone who handwrites my notes, as you can see in my notebook here, I do appreciate the craft. So, um, but yeah, really cool. And then he was talking about how like he was just geeking out watching. I think UC Soros was playing in one of them at the uh, opposing crease, and so he was like watching some of these guys and just like marveling at it. And so, here's what he said in in terms of waiting for his work visa to come so he could play. It's out of my control, so I can't really think about it. How I'm thinking about it, though, is that you can't keep the beast tamed in the cage for too long. I'm just hungry to get out there and stop Pox because that's what I do. Then, after his debut against the Rangers, uh, they had uh, the Rangers had a thir- third period power play in a 2-2 game, right? And it was like a must win for the Sabres. And he gets asked about it. And he goes, these are the moments I love. I was just having fun out there. I wanted some one-timers because I want them to find me so that they can test me. And then he gets asked about a chance, like a specific one that Artemi Panarin had in the slot. And he goes, I love it. That's why I'm here. There's no guy I'd rather have in the slot going one-on-one with me. Remember when we talked about mindset? That's swag. That's what Well, that it's is. more like, but this is the mindset you want. Like, you know, and, and I'm going to throw some kudos out to Pete Fry, the goalie mindset guy, who we've done some webinars with. Uh, you'll recall Dustin, Fer- or sorry, not Dustin, my apologies. Um, Dylan Ferguson mm-hmm. getting the start with Ottawa yep. recently, and Pete's a guy that we've had, we've actually been in run webinars here in Vancouver with Pete leading a, a sort of day long goalie mindset, and uh, Dylan would come because Dylan was a part of that. And coming out of that first start, I think forty two saves against the Penguins, you know, briefly kept the Senators' season alive. All that years he waited to get there. One of the approaches that Pete sort of encourages that he had embraced, like just came pouring through in that second quote you referenced because i watched the video on it we actually ran the audio on our podcast the ingle radio podcast for the same reason you can't go out there with the mindset of like oh geez i hope my team keeps it at the other end boy i hope like you have to want a power play want a two-on-one embrace those types of moments in your mind which also allows you to be ready and aware and sort of anticipate them coming. You're not sitting there in a state of fear. And there's a whole mindset that goes into this. And like, like Devin Levi embodies so much of it, right? right. Like, you, have you? I'm surprised. I thought you for sure would have the quote um, and the story about how, like, when he actually meditates during the TV. Time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When he goes like, he on his knees by his the knees. Hash yeah, yeah. How, like, and the meditation is like, w- there's a Swedish um, Andy Schvord, uh mindset sports psychologist, works with like dozens and dozens of pros uh, works with one of your favorite players, Jesper Bratt. Oh yeah. Nice. Um, as a sports psychologist and talks about his goalies will actually meditate, not just forget TV timeouts, like plays at the other end on a faceoff. They can, you can find 15, 20 seconds windows to meditate and recenter yourself. And so, but I love the story that Devin tells about like, yeah. And I'm not a star Wars guy. So I yeah, think it's yeah. Phantom Menace. Like, right. I think it, I think it's Liam Neeson. I don't know who he's playing, but like we're in the middle of a lightsaber battle. He sort of goes and meditates and puts a force field around. And that's how Devin, like, I'm told you, goalie geek. Yeah, I love it. Sense Arena, right, is a virtual reality tool, so I can put on a virtual reality headset and stop pucks. NHL shooters, 
Like they have added NHL shooters this year. Pro shooters from Europe were the original sort of shots they masked. It's as realistic as anything I've ever seen. The number one user of Sense Arena in the world, Devin Levi. Really? Uses it on game days to prepare. Wow. Like this kid leaves no stone unturned. And yet I was still nervous about how this would go because the expectations, in part because he's so open about all these goalie geeky things. Yeah. So it's great stories, right? Like we love it in the goalie world. The rest of the world must love it too. Man, the expectations they've heaped on this kid scare the crap out of me. And yet the mindset he has tells me he's probably as equipped as anyone to manage it. Well, also saying that you want to face as many one-timers as you can and go one-on-one versus Demi Panarin is a lot less charming if the puck goes by you and goes into the net, right? And then I imagine it's a different story. But so far, he's at every step of the way. He's not only met expectations but exceeded them. And his save percentages everywhere he's been are just preposterous, right? And so... I think you could sort of see in that one game a lot of the good things and potentially some of the things he's going to have to work on, right? Like like the as, rebound on the first goal was a terrible rebound that you can't give up in the National Hockey League. Yeah. Your guys are going to be crashing the net and shoveling it over top of you like that. That's one. Well, and it's, yeah, and I mean, and it's an adjustment, right? Like it's literally his first game. He hasn't even had it. 100%. Like, and the biggest adjustment, like goalies have told us like hundreds of goalies now over the years, like your biggest adjustment isn't American League to the NHL. It's coming out of college or junior to the AHL, and in his case, all the way to, like, moving out of, like, junior, college maybe less so because there's older players, but, like, there's also sort of lesser lights at those levels. There are no lesser lights in the National Hockey League. Like, the best players on your team at the level you used to play in, they're on the fourth line now. Like, everybody's that good. And if they were good, that's only if they're good, right? a massive jump. A massive jump. And so, you're right. There are going to be more learning curves. The highlight reel save he made. Um, There was a breakaway. Got a little swimmy on. There was a highlight reel save on a backdoor two-on-one that was great. It was a great save. Fantastic save. I'm willing to bet that by this time next year, or maybe two years is is more fair, because, again, with the expectations, Devin Levi's making that save without having to go into a full spread Mm. and be, you know, fully extended. He's probably making that save. He's beating it. If he's sliding on his knees, he's over top of his knees rather than extended. Those are adjustments that he will make in terms of pace and reads that will allow him to make some saves that look spectacular the other night more easily because that's the kind of goalie he is. Yes, at the same time, though, and I understand the issues with like potentially like, you know, having a game or technique that's too noisy or doing too much and getting yourself in trouble by like looking like you're keeping busy. But in reality, if you had just been more. And he's not too noisy. Like he's He's not. not. It's just that his. His quiet is another level. No, but the thing that I enjoyed, especially from like a just an entertainment perspective, was you could sort of see like the the competitors or the battle in his game where like sometimes like the puck would be like lost or whatever, or, or like there'd be bodies in front of him. And he is a bit of an undersized guy, especially relative to like a lot of the six five, six six behemoths that are just regularly spread throughout the NHL these days. And he's like at what, six foot probably generously. He like he's like fighting through traffic and like 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 very just trying to like get improve a sight line or get a better angle on the shooter. And I'm sure part of that is literally just like it being his first game and him like trying to figure out what's happening at this level and doing it on the fly in a pressure packed situation with a team trying still to fight for their making the first time for the playoffs in like over a decade. But I loved seeing that from him. And I, th- I, th- I think like it bodes really well for his future. Once the game does slow down for him a little bit that like he's got some of that in his game as well. He's got like, he's got everything in his game. Like, yeah. like that's, Sort of the hesitation for me. Well, I can tell you. I can tell you worried. To do 
with what I believe he's going to be. Yeah. I just worry about the expectations being so high so soon. Um, they have nothing to do with not having confidence that Devin Levi is going to be a really, really, really good yeah. NHL goaltender. It just feels like it's a big ask right now. And and again, like I said, though, man, if anyone can handle it, you know, it might be this kid. I can tell you're apprehensive just because you're you're, you're concerned about that, not because you're down on Devin Levi, right? It's, These are it's, my babies. Purely, can't, yeah. You can't yeah, be yeah, throwing yeah. them to the yeah. wolves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You baby no. steps. He's uh, like, listen, he, uh, he spent some time. He spent some time in Kelowna uh, last summer with um, Dylan Garand. Uh, and a goalie coach that I work with up there, uh, Lyle Mass, for a week, and just he, they geeked out on tracking and sort of tracking mechanics. Um, I've talked to Mike Conan, his coach uh, at Northeastern, about him and about his game and about how, you know, you have to manage. Like, there are so many little quirks is the wrong word, but so many um, habits, routines. They're not superstitions. They're routines for him um, that Mike worried about maybe being too much at times. Like, there's a lot there. When you're as geeky as he is, you know, and I say that with fondness. Yeah. Um, and when you're in touch with every aspect of your game, it can become too much at times. And yet um, he's managed it at every stage and found a way to control those things and make them work for him rather than against him. And that's no small feat. Like I know Mike Condon worried about that when, you know, when he first arrived there, all these little extra things. And, you know, there are some people that don't love the idea of, you know, being in the middle of the ice with everyone looking at you, even if you are meditating and recentering yourself, like not everybody loves that idea. Yeah. He finds a way to make these things work for him. The, the, the virtual reality, the extra practices, the extra voices. Um, you can, I love no stone unturned guys, but I've also seen guys that are always looking for ways to get better that sometimes lose their sense of what makes them their best right. and start chasing. Yep. Finding that balance is not easy. And this goaltender at a very young age appears to have found that balance. Well, what's your what's your ideal scenario for him next season? Is it playing like 55 games at the AHL level where while they still have like a bunch of like young guys who are going to be Sabres of the future there? Or is it him sort of playing like a 30-ish game role in the as a backup at the NHL level because no, he went yeah. straight from college, right? Like he play. has no pro experience. Yeah, no, gotta, I would say gotta play. And listen, I, I was a guy who, when Carter Hart had the early success he had in the National Hockey League and that spawned, like, don't forget, like Carter had that success like after what, half a season in the American League. Yep. And then Mackenzie Blackwood came up and had a ton of success. And then Thatcher Demko's people were like, hey, like our guy's at the same stage. He's ready for some, for a taste here. Mm -hmm. And I wrote articles at the time about like how, like maybe this whole goalies take longer thing is being overdone. Maybe some of the special ones don't. And then we saw what happened. And I think some of that is team environment with Carter, but there was a dip. And by the way, he's back this year. Like he's a guy that if the Flyers are looking to trade him and I'm a team that needs goaltending help, I would consider it. Right. Um, his profile has charted in a very nice direction this season. But yeah, this it does take tend to take a little time. The patterns are different in pro hockey than they were in college. And the time it takes you to process and put them together so that you're reading them at the same speed and pace that you were at the other level, you know, everything tells me that he would be better off in the American Hockey League. And yet again, uh, I'm tempted, just as I said when Carter made the jump, to want to say, hey, he's going to be the exception to the rule. And yet, at the end of the day, the rule exists quite often for a reason. It doesn't mean you have to be down there to 25, 26. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Because I think... A couple it, years, though. It, at least a year. Getting, like, three 
strong ELC years out of your goalie while they're still in their early to mid twenties is That's... very valuable. And it's 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 infuriating when you watch when teams don't take advantage of that. And and maybe the it's a case by case basis. Some goalies do need that seasoning, hey, but the other part here is the environment has to improve defensively. You, I, you, yeah. I know you talked about making big saves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, you know, again, whether that was Rangers on the second end of back-to-back or the Sabres realizing what they had in net, not that they needed to coddle him. Well, the first but like 10 minutes, they like didn't give up anything. Yeah. yeah. Which can be tough mentally on a goaltender, yeah. right? Like not seeing a shot for 10 minutes, that that can be a tough thing to handle mentally as well. You can get in your own head. I, I just don't think this kid will. Um, you know, but we, I've heard a lot of talk about Sabres goaltending this year. And the reality is they're just been on a whole too permissive. Eric Comrie's expected save percentage this year is eight sixty eight. Mm. That's it. That's it. Really that's, that's the worst environment yeah. in the National Hockey League. And for large portions of this year, he played above it, well above it. But it's a big ask to do that over time. And so I do think like they have the pieces, no question. But on the back end, as soon as one of those pieces goes out, like Samuelson in particular, and Comrie, I think the reason his numbers are so low in terms of his expected save percentage, why that environment was so tough, is how many games did he play when Samuelson was out? Yep. How many games did he play when Samuelson um, and Darlene were out? Like that's that's a pretty tough ask. I don't see the structure, interestingly enough, we see this in Vancouver, hear that word a lot in Vancouver, but I don't see the structure in their game as a five-man unit to overcome come things when they lose the personnel they rely on to defend as from a talent perspective Mm -hmm. the structure isn't there to overcome it when the personnel is not all intact on the back end and you have to either improve the personnel or probably find a little bit more of that structure from all five guys so it doesn't matter whether all of your defensemen are healthy every game which is fine though because i think they went into this year being like all right, we have a lot of young players. We're going to just like put them in an environment where they can just go back and forth, get a, score a lot, have fun, have a good product for our fans. And they've passed all of that, right? I much prefer that to what my quibble with what like Derek Lalonde was doing in Detroit. And maybe just because he like, doesn't know any better, like that is who he is as a coach. But they tried to like fast track it by bringing him in and being like, we're going to take this team that hasn't really accomplished anything and we're going to try to play tampa bay lightning playoff hockey with them like we're gonna just like tighten it up and really like instill all these young guys with with like strong defensive habits and i i think you need to go through these checkpoints as an organization right we see time and time again when you're young and skilled it's okay to make some of these mistakes i'm sure you know for you in the goalie union it's not great that the goalie Uh, usually takes the brunt of it yeah yeah i don't want i don't want all-star games out there every night but but i I think that's like a necessary part of this process i don't expect this from them next year recognize it like i said like i said i've seen the criticism on comrie ham biased i love comps yeah um and there's a lot of eric comrie and like we talked about devin levi being the number one user of sense arena not far down that list is eric comrie like these guys are actually so alike it's including the working with the coach that i talked about that um devin went up and worked with in Kelowna this summer who mike condon's also spent some time with um, so I hear you. I understand it. I would, interestingly enough, I think Vancouver is a really interesting case study in the same thing, right? Like for the longest time, like they're young skilled players, the Pedersons of the world, the, like the emphasis was on the, that's all you had to do is mm-hmm. succeed offensively. And it's taken coaching changes in time to get them to be a part of the team wide buy in defensively. Right. And Pedersen's probably not a fair guy to point out because he's already always had a pretty good two-way game. Yeah. But as a group, when you look through the Bessers and some of the other players in this market, like, and that's why as much as part of me wishes management here had had the courage of its convictions as they were slagging 
the last coach very publicly and not liking the way his team played to just make the move sooner. I I wonder if they would have been able, like the next guy up wouldn't have been able to demand the attention to detail that Rick Tockett is asking for now because the group would have been like, well, look at all the success we had last year playing the other way without this. What the hell are you talking about? Yeah. I think they almost needed to fail playing this way to recognize the need for more structure. And you could maybe make that argument in Buffalo as well. Like it's, it's working to an extent. I worry about, I don't think, honestly, if they get in, I don't think they get away with this in the playoffs. That would be well, of course hunch. not, because they'll play Boston in round one. And, th- and then you'll learn about structure. <laughs> yeah, which is good. That would yeah. be a good humbling experience, and it would be fun. I think they provide much more of a, a fight, because they can actually score and at least threaten them a little bit in, in a game-by-game basis, not necessarily over a full series. But, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm really curious. For a while, I was I was really talking myself into, I think, the Sabres at this summer because they have so much cap space and so much capital, both in terms – like, they have, like, three second-rounders this year. They have all these prospects they've drafted over the past couple of years. They can really go in and acquire anyone they want. And I was like, man, with the way they've played this year, I would love to see them with UC Soros or Connor Hellebuck for a couple of years uh, to expedite this process. I, I, I'm still interested in that because – both those guys could theoretically be available this summer just based on where those organizations are headed and their contracts. Um, okay, so but, I'll, I'll give you this. Okay. Out of those two? Yeah. Like, first of all, you can look at the depth chart and you can talk about where Devin fits and what the future is. But if you need a solution next year and you're looking at high-end talent uh, from a goaltending perspective for the Buffalo Sabres, yep. unless they are going to fundamentally change the way they play, yep. only one of those two goaltenders actually fits the Buffalo Sabres. And it's UC Saros. And it's UC Saros. Yes. Because Connor Hellebuck is the best goalie in the league if you are coming at him in straight lines. But those numbers, I don't say fall off a cliff, but they drop significantly if we get into East-West play. And one of the reasons Eric Comrie's expected save percentage is so damn low, the lowest in the league, yep. is because this team gives up lateral plays like there's no tomorrow. They're one of the worst in the league at it. And so that's a great case in point for not you can't just plug a good goalie into any team and expect good results. I would be very wary of putting a Connor Hellebuck behind Buffalo's system and expecting him to have the type of success he's had in Winnipeg where for all their warts in two of the past three years and when he won the Vesna, yep. they concentrated very well on limiting the lateral plays and allowing teams to create high danger. But, but in, in ways that played yeah. to Connor's strengths. Yeah. And this is what more teams should be doing. If you got a goalie with very specific strengths, yeah, cater your it defensive would approach, make yeah. sense to play to them. And I don't think the way Buffalo plays now plays to Connor's well, strengths. Well, Saros also makes sense from like he's two years younger and has an extra year on his contract. So like like Hellebuck next year, Hellebuck's one more year, goalie. then he's a UFA as yeah. a 31-year-old. Please don't. No, of course. This is not me slagging Connor. What, out. what like, I hear you saying, though, is to bring this show full circle. Saros to Buffalo, Connor Hellebuck to L.A. Ooh, yeah, that would that would yeah that would be a fit. There is a fit. That would be a Vesna season. Yes, that would be yeah. Um, that, would, that would that we could have a record setting season yes. in that environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, um, Kevin, this was a blast. We I had so many other. We topics. didn't even get to I had Minnesota. Gustafson, I had oh, so so okay because okay. I've, I've we, had, we can do it quick. I've had wild fans. Well, we literally have a minute. Well, I've had wild fans being like, talk about Philip Gustafson. He has a nine thirty two save percentage this season, thirty six games, plus sixteen goal save above expected according to Sport Logic. Give me a quick 60-second Philip Gustafson take. Philip Gustafson is the only goaltender in the entire National Hockey League for the whole season that has a better expected save percentage than Linus Hallmark. Mm. 
who should win the Vesna, by the way, everybody on the um, Ilya Sorokin train, like, it, sorry, okay. it's not there. But Gustafson's the only one. Where things get complicated for the Wild is in the last two months, he's still number one. But number two in the last two months is Marc-Andre Fleury. Is the proven veteran goalie. Marc-Andre yeah. Fleury. And I swear to God, if they don't play them both and give me my goaltending yes. tandem that I've been screaming at, especially given what playing Fleury into the ground has done each of the last two playoffs by playing him too much, even in just one round, yeah, I I may take a torch to the entire city of Minnesota. Like, I need my goaltending tandem that I've been screaming for years, and this is the perfect example of... You could just go back and forth between those two all the way to a Stanley Cup. Which guy do you prefer against if they're playing like say Seattle in round one where they're they're like they have a lot of shooting talent now and they're very like opportunistic, I'd say, um, in terms of like turning shots into goals. Which one would you prefer in that type of environment? Ooh, that's a really tough one. Um, and it goes back to our earlier conversation on Copley versus Corpusala. Corpusala is more athletic, but sometimes you can open holes. And so I would actually need to deep dive into the types of chances Seattle creates to get to those shots mm -hmm. and then see how that profiles against what Mini gives up and how each of those goaltender strengths varies. Say open looks versus cross ice, one-timers, the things that Sprong and Tolvin in particular do well. Um, and I think it sounds like we just set up a playoff preview. It sounds like I'm going to have you on the show to do just that. Kevin, uh, give the listeners a quick shout in terms of where they can check you out. Um, Although I'm sure everyone listening already knows by now, but still. It's, Ke it's, Kevin is in goal on Twitter and uh, NHL.com. I got to call him every two weeks called Unmasked that focuses on goaltending. But mm, above all else, if you're a goaltender and you want to geek out on goaltending or if you're a goaltender and you want to get better at goaltending, go check out ingoalmag.com. That's Ingoal Magazine and the Ingoal Radio Podcast. Um, drills from NHL goalies, NHL goalie coaches, NHL goalies breaking down video, including Linus Allmark explaining why he backs up on purpose on even in-zone point shot play. It's called recoil, and it might just be the next big thing for NHL goalies, and you can read all about it at ingolmag.com. What a plug. Very cool stuff. Kevin, this was a blast. Looking forward to talking playoffs with you and geeking out on that. Thank you to everyone for listening to the show as always. We'll be back tomorrow with more of the Hockey PDOcast here on the Sportsnet Radio Network.